Payback Time is a podcast about building businesses, wealth, and financial freedom. We try to uncover the challenges our guests faced, the mistakes they made, and the steps they took to achieve their goals. The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. Do you feel like your job is killing you? You may be right. My next guest is a doctor and author who teaches the impact consumerism has on our health. The more we consume, the more necessary our jobs become. We eventually become dependent on our jobs as opposed to passionate. The big question is, how do we solve this problem? In this episode, we talk about the increasing pressure of consumerism along with the steps we can take to improve both our finances and our health. Please welcome Dr. Vimal Thomas-George. Vimal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on, John. I'm really excited to talk about some of the topics you've got here outlined. But first, what I'd like to do is understand what your background is. So why don't you go ahead and give uh, the audience your career background? Yeah, sure. I'm a family doctor. I practice in Austin, Texas. Um, And so I've been in practice for about 15 years now. I did my training in Houston and then came to Austin, eventually worked my way up to becoming the uh, chief of the family medicine section at our multi-specialty clinic. And then from there, I became a uh, chief quality officer for the uh, the clinic that I work at. So we have about 150 providers. And, um, you know, from that position, I kind of gained some unique insights that I think uh, I took away from to be able to write the book that I wrote here recently. Well, why don't you talk about the book? Because you've got an interesting background being a doctor, but you've got a strong emphasis on finance, which is a a core reason why you're on this podcast, which we're all about finance. So why don't you give us a little context there? Yeah, um, the traditional approach uh, with respect to our healthcare um, dilemma really is, is not really working, right? So our emphasis has been on uh, following a healthy diet and exercise. And, uh, and of course, those are, are important things to be doing. But um, for whatever reason, most folks are just not able to follow through on that. And so as a result, what we're seeing is the rise of chronic diseases. Uh, if you look year by year, for example, Uh, the rates of diabetes, the rates of obesity, the rates of colon cancer, all these various chronic diseases are increasing over time. And so, you know, what I found is that, you know, we really have to kind of have a a different approach. And so that's kind of what I introduced in the book is to taking uh, a step back, uh, seeing what are the impediments to implementing a healthy lifestyle. And and what I conclude is that it has to do, it actually has a lot to do with finance. (laughs) Really? mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, as you, you know, as you get to looking at the root cause of what's causing our healthcare crisis, you know, it's easy to conclude that we're just not exercising like we, like our ancestors used to, and, and we're not eating healthy, wholesome foods. And that's mm-hmm. very true. And so at one level, that is really, you know, what's causing the, the rise of chronic disease. But when you ask well, what's causing that, um, it really has to do with our lifestyle, right? So, uh, you know, we, we are, for example, uh, many of us are tied to a desk uh, from eight to five, Monday through Friday, and uh, on top of that, sitting in traffic to and from work. And so it's a very sedentary lifestyle. And, you know, what I'd, what I'd like to suggest is that from for the vast majority of people, that's actually not, um, that's not necessary. Uh, in other words, what's causing our healthcare crisis really is, uh, you know, an intersection between some of the effects of capitalism, 
and uh, human nature where we tend to mistake uh, pleasure and happiness. And so the end result is that we tend to be mindless consumers <laughs> in the mm-hmm. sense that we tend to buy way too much. And so as a result, we never get to the point of becoming financially independent. And what you can kind of come to a realization is that modern day employment uh, for most people is actually a health hazard. You know, it's a health hazard when you have to, when you're tied to a desk from eight to five and sitting through traffic and not having an adequate time to prepare a nourishing meal for yourself or your family. And so uh, if we can break folks away from that tie to their way of modern day employment that they're used to, uh, there's a, a real chance that they can actually live a healthier lifestyle. I love that. I love this topic because I know a lot of people who are impacted negatively by their jobs. It not only increases their stress, but that stress compounds into poor health, poor sleeping. It all, yeah, it's it's just this down, this downward spiral, you could say. It does. And, you know, sadly, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And, 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 you Mm -hmm. know, and at the same time, I don't want to suggest that, you know, just because we're uh, we get to the point of becoming financially independent of our employer it doesn't mean that we should then retire and you know focus exclusively on uh, on our health. That's not necessarily what I'm suggesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of folks who will get to the point of financial independence from being dependent on an employer for their income. That's just a step to be able to optimize the conditions for healthy living. So that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to then retire. And, and just sit back and do nothing. Hopefully that won't be the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but it means that you you have a chance to be able to look up and, and kind of take advantage of, uh, of the things that, you know, that really do um, uh, play a role in healthy living. Right on. What I'd like to do is talk about um, some of the topics you actually, you and your team had sent prior to this, which I think are awesome points. And, and the audience will, I hope they'll agree with me here, but let's just knock them out. So the first one is the capitalism effect how to re-engineer your diet to conquer society's effect on nutrition. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot there. So, uh, you know, so the the effects of capitalism, you know, first of all, I'm a fan of capitalism. So there's a lot of good things to be said about that. There's no other economic systems that's brought so many people out of extreme poverty that uh, right. as, as capitalism has. And so, you, you know, definitely want to acknowledge and appreciate that. But there is a point beyond which, you know, our, our spending uh, leads us to a, a sort of enslavement uh, with mm-hmm. respect to our employer in particular. Yep. And so as a result, uh, you know, you never get to the point of becoming able to be uh, free of that sort of lifestyle. Again, modern day employment is very has health hazardous type of uh, a lifestyle. And so mm-hmm. most folks just don't have enough time to be able to, you know, do the things that they need to live a healthy lifestyle. So on, on the one side, it's it's up to the individual to be able to uh, cut back on their consumption, be able to invest the, the amount that they can save, and then get to the point of being free of their employer uh, to be able to live a healthier lifestyle. Now, that doesn't, again, you know, that that just means that you're you have the flexibility that you need to be able to prioritize your health needs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a second aspect of this, though. Uh, you know, when we are tied to and dependent on an employer for our income, the reason for work changes for a lot of folks. So a person who's independent of their employer compared to a person who is dependent on their employer, they work for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the one case, they work, uh, you know, folks like Elon Musk and, and Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey, they work because they're passionate about their work. They're par- passionate about the product or service that they are 
uh, invested in providing. Uh, whereas for most folks, they work for for money, and and the the product or service is a, is a side effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, which is just the reverse for for you know these uh, folks who are independent of their employer. They work for the power product service, and the money is a side effect. And this has you know huge implications in terms of how we go about and doing our work. So, for example, there's a great saying from you may remember from Upton Sinclair, who's a, a journalist from the uh, 1920s, who said that. It's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. <laughs> and so what he's, what he's saying is that we tend to compromise our integrity too easily uh, when in particular when we're, when we're dependent on that source of income uh, for right. our, our day-to-day living. So if we can get to the point of being free of that, then I think you know a lot of things change. But in, in fact, including the the food industry for example just you know the degree mm-hmm. which to which we tend to you know sell things that are addictive to our 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 customers right i mean things that you know you want to make things as addictive as possible in in the one case and so uh, you know certain uh, things that happen as a result of being tied to uh, dependence on that income for your daily expenses right i have to admit that most people i know this includes friends and family they are in this state. They yes. are working their jobs for money because they have right. to pay for things, mortgage, car payments, um, toy payments, whether it's boats, yeah. uh, ATVs, whatever. And they're literally shackled to the machine and yeah. they can't get away. And, and this leads to a, your second bullet, which is rewiring your brain. How does somebody in that state rewire them, their, their thought process? Yeah, uh, no, that's a great question. So really... Um, that you know comes down to you know so our, our most of our our you know most folks are are tied to their paycheck for uh, mm-hmm. on a monthly basis right and so at the end of the month they're you know they're depending on their next paycheck before to to be able to to make it uh, for on a day to day basis uh, now if you look back a hundred years ago John Maynard Keynes you know the English economist uh, who lived during the Depression era he actually predicted that in our time. Uh, he famously predicted that in our time, people would only need to work 10 to 15 hours a week and <laughs> because we would be that much more productive. And if you think about it, you know, uh, Keynes lived in a time in the 1930s. He spoke in the 1930s about and, and he, he lived in a time when when most women didn't work. And so it was kind of a, a single income household. Uh, so what exactly happened? I mean, what what happened that we are not to the point of becoming uh, you know, working 10, 15 hours a week, right? And so what happened is that, you know, really consumption uh, has increased to an unhealthy extent. In other words, uh, if you look at house size, uh, the size of homes right now are almost uh, over two and a half times the size that it had been a uh, hundred years ago, two or three times the size of it. And yet, if you look at levels of happiness as a society, it's actually declined in the last uh, few decades. And so that's that discrepancy that I kind of point to in the book is that, you know, we tend to be spending. Our spending is intended for us to become happier, but in fact, it's actually made us more unhappy, uh, largely because we're not as mindful of the spending as we should be. And so if we had been, uh, we could get to the point of being able to save much more of our income uh, which, you know, is different from what the typical financial advisor recommends, right? You know, most financial advisors, they'll tell you to put away, you know, maybe 10 or 20%. But if you really think about, you know, what you need and what translates to actual happiness, 
if you are mindful of the type of spending that you spend for the purpose of happiness, which is again, you know, what we, what we are trying to to do. Well, you know, what you realize is that a lot of that spending is superfluous. It really doesn't contribute to happiness. And so you have the potential to save, you know, at least 30, 40, maybe 50%, maybe 70% of your income. Mm -hmm. uh, so most people should be able to put that much away and get to the point of becoming financially independent over time. Right, right. Good point. With regards to health, you know, I look at financial, the financial aspect that comes to my mind right away is the ability to afford like uh, healthy food. You know, you could go through the McDonald's drive-thru and get a dollar menu yeah. item of really garbage food or, yeah. you know, ramen noodles, which every college mm -hmm. student has had their share of that. Is sure. it really sustainable? No. <laughs> right. And, and you look at, I look at that aspect, you know, but I like this is the financial stress is really a major contributor to mm. the health of of our society. I, I really like that perspective. Yeah. You know, just to add to that, you know, mm -hmm. it's basically, and there's a, there's a point in which in, in the book, I, I make the comment that just cause you're financially independent doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be healthy. Okay. Though, so right. that doesn't automatically happen, but so I'm not naive enough to think that, but the point in the book that I, I hope uh, that my audience is not naive enough to think that being tied to a desk from eight to five for decades on end is, doesn't mm -hmm. contribute heavily to the rise of chronic disease that we're seeing in America and, and abroad. Really, Right. Yeah. Another bullet here is uh, doctor approved investment strategies <laughs> that uh, can promote a healthy living. I'd love to hear your perspective here. Yeah. So really, this comes down to, you know, kind of looking again at uh, those things that really do impact happiness. There's actually a lot of science behind this in mm -hmm. terms of what sort of spending impacts happiness. And what the science basically comes down to is that there are essential needs, obviously, which mm -hmm. we all have, you know, you have to have enough food and water and shelter and your basic needs have to be met. Uh, but once those basic needs are met, further spending and this is a little bit of a complicated topic, which I kind of delve into the science of behind that in the book. And so I'll kind of reference that. But, you know, for the sake of, of uh, brevity, uh, let's just say that further spending, uh, for the most part, really has no impact on happiness uh, once you've had those basic needs met. And so you'd be much better off if you were to use that spending to invest and then get to the point of becoming financially independent. Mm -hmm. And it just opens up the possibility of leading a much more healthy lifestyle. Right on. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah. Let's take a quick commercial break. Have you ever lost money in the stock markets? Maybe you heard or saw comments on YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, or another social platform. Or maybe you just received bad advice from a friend. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Most people lose money in the stock market because they make decisions based on emotions. What if you could remove emotions from investing? What if you could make consistent returns in the stock market based solely on logic? And what if there's a software that handled that logic for you? Introducing Ticker, a platform that helps you manage your own investments with confidence. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. With, with consumerism, you know, I want to talk about the dopamine of social media and I'll tie it right back to consumer in a second. 
people in social media, whether they're posting something or they're trying to be an influencer or whatever, they get those short dopamine, you know, effects of, of getting feedback on something. Well, I also see a similar issue with people consuming things. They'll Mm. feel really good at first buying something, but that quickly drops off, you know, within a day, a week, whatever. And in order to refill that same feeling, they need to go out and buy things of that same value or greater. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that. Yeah, there's actually a term that social scientists use for this. It's called hedonic adaptation, right? And and so it's sort of, it's like what it sounds like, right? So, you know, the the classic uh, example is when you step out of a, a dark movie theater, you go out into the light, it takes a minute, and then your eyes adjust to the brightness, and then you no, take no further notice of the salience of the bright mm-hmm. lights. Uh, similarly, actually unlike that uh, in some ways, but, uh, you know, hedonic adaptation is this idea that, you know, you buy the next cool gadget, and for a bit of time, it actually does increase your uh, you, you know, your dopamine, your pleasure. And yet within a few minutes, if not hours or days, then it comes right back down to your baseline. And and so the idea though, unlike unlike the, the theater example, is that, you know, the, the sort of surprising thing is that we don't tend to, you know, we, we perfectly know that if you, we, we know to expect that when we come out of a dark theater, our light, our the light is going to be kind of bright and our eyes are going to take a minute to adjust. We anticipate that. Uh, somehow we don't do that <laughs> with with the uh, things that we, oh. we tend to spend. We tend to underestimate that every single time. And so, you know, we have multiple upgrades of our iPhone. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, just thinking that it's going to make us, you know, that much happier. And yet uh, every time it gets, it gets us right back to our baseline. And so it's something that it's a lesson that we just don't seem to internalize as well. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, the other the other side of this is that, you know, basically what that points to is that, yeah, all these things, they they increase our our pleasure, which is, again, uh, we tend to uh, just by human nature, we tend to mistake pleasure for happiness. And so, you know, start if you if we're more cognizant of that, we could see that a lot of these things are. Yes, pleasurable, but not necessarily going to impact our happiness long term. Right on. Yeah. I love this topic because I do see a lot of people, um, they're in a significant amount of debt with consumerism and they they just, they can't figure out how to get out and to put a bandaid on the situation, they just go buy more stuff just to yeah. get that good yeah. feeling a little bit and then it, it drops off. Uh, um, fire is a hot topic. I, I love this. I, I've interviewed a lot of people on the topic and actually achieving fire is, has been tough for most. Um, everybody's got to generate some kind of revenue, whether it's from a business or some side hustle or real estate, they still manage, you know, um, from your perspective, what are some of the, the easiest paths? My audience will ask me to ask this question. That's why I'm asking you. It is some of the easiest paths to achieve fire from your perspective. Yeah, you know, you know, from an investment perspective, for most folks, you know, it makes sense to just, again, using the principles that I kind of lay out in the book, again, that once you've met your basic needs, Mm -hmm. then the best things in life thereafter are free of cost, that suddenly opens up the possibility of investing much more of your income than, again, the typical financial advisor would would recommend, right? right? So instead of 10 to 20%, Really, we should be able to put away thirty to seventy percent somewhere in that range, depending yes. on your your income. 
And so that means that all of a sudden, you know, you, and again, you know, for a person who's, and, and you, no one has to be, you know, particularly financial savvy to do this, but really just, you know, take that money, put it into index funds. That's probably the easiest thing to do. Uh, that money over time will grow and beat out most of the actually professional money managers even. And so, you know, that's probably the simplest way to get about uh, making use of your of the income that you would have saved and hopefully achieving, uh, you know, hopefully getting to the point of, of fire. But again, uh, I want to emphasize I'm not necessarily a fan of the retire early part, more just the financial <laughs> independence part. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I'm glad you're stressing the importance of stock investing because that's that's what I'm all about. And mm-hmm. my customers, they, they use the tool uh, ticker to help them invest. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it's one of those things where you you need a job or something, not forever, but mm-hmm. just enough to fuel that investment fund. And then at some point you're going to hit a, hit that milestone where, hey, do I need to continue working? Maybe I can just invest, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's when life starts to get interesting, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you, you know, if you think about it, um, I've heard so many people who, you know, look at people like Elon Musk and, and conclude mm-hmm. that, man, that guy is such a genius. And, and I don't want to take away anything from Elon. He probably is a genius. He really is a genius. But, you know, a lot of us, we just don't have the time to lift our head up and, and look uh, because we're tied to, again, you know, our, our day-to-day employment. And yet, if we get to the point of becoming financially independent, it really opens up the possibility of discovering things that you couldn't do before. And so, you know, maybe you have some sort of side interest that you've never been able to explore, uh, which is, you know, what I talk about for me in, in the book that, that I kind of go into. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to suggest is there many of your our listeners today, they, they probably really are uh, geniuses in the sense that they don't really realize uh, because, right. you know, again, you, you know, you've never gotten to being able to get to the point of seeing things from a different perspective. In today's world, there's the relative few who ever get to that point, who ever get to the point of becoming able to see from that vantage point. But what I would like to suggest is that's absolutely possible for most people. You know, it's you touched on passion earlier. And and that's a question I like to ask people is like, if you didn't need your job you were doing right now, what are you most passionate about? What would you like to do? And then you kind of like back into that, like, okay, mm-hmm. so if you're passionate about animals, let's say you want to, you want to help animals or you want to, mm-hmm. you want to work on motorcycles or whatever it is, you know, you can kind of reverse it and be like the path to get there is usually not as far as you think. That's my mm-hmm. perspective at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not at doing personal financial advising for anybody, but it's like, sometimes I'll have those conversations and get people thinking creatively about how do you arrive, arrive on your passion sooner than you than you really think you can so you know i um I, I kind of started writing this book uh after talking to my nephew who was just about to graduate from high school at the, at the time mm-hmm. and you know really just kind of providing some basic financial advice to him and it's interesting because you know a lot of folks at that stage in life early or late high school don't really know what they're passionate about and that's okay some people know Right. Uh, some people know that they want to, you know, for example, for me, it was I want to be going to medicine. I want to be a doctor. I want to you know, help people in, in this regard. And so uh, some people know and that's great. But if you don't know, like my nephew, he didn't really know. And so you just want to have the opportunity that at some point when you do discover that passion, that you can right. actually spend your time invested in, in pursuing that passion. Right. Uh, and so it, it really makes sense. 
especially for young high school and college students, to really try to um, take advantage of some of these principles early on. Because that's when it really translates to opening up possibilities uh, early on in life. So, Right. Yep. I, yeah. I agree. You know, experiences in life, what I like, I like to think of are they can open doors to new experiences. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize you're passionate about something. I was talking about somebody who was a you know aspiring athlete mm-hmm. at one point. And if they were asked the question if they'd ever go into finance, they would have laughed that person out the door back in high school. But today they're a mm-hmm. financial advisor. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> the sure. irony there. So you never know. And I feel like we need to get kids, especially in high school, maybe even middle school introduced to different types of jobs and activities they could be doing in the real world, get them introduced sooner because you could probably find those passions a lot sooner in life. Yeah. For me, I, I didn't really land on finance until I was around 30. If I could have yeah. you know, reversed the clock back 10 years, yeah. I would have been in a different spot today. But you know, you know. What, I, uh, what I'd like to suggest though is you know, even our high school age students, really we should be able to teach some of these financial principles to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, finance is is sort of taught in schools, but it really isn't. And when it is taught, it's taught ineffectively. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's one of the things that I think um, if we did a little bit differently, you know, kids can get to the possible, you know, possibly by their early or, you know, by their late thirties or early forties, they could become financially independent. And that again, changes uh, the way that they, that they are working and and opens up possibilities for them in a way that they don't really think about in in the current stage, you know, in the the current situation, uh, unfortunately, a lot of our, you know, high school students and college students really don't realize that this is a possibility. And so they never get to the point of uh, considering that they, you know, just kind of follow along what the rest of society is doing, which is caught up in this mindless consumerism, which again, uh, robs us of opportunities uh, mm-hmm. that we unfortunately don't recognize. Right, right. I I would like to see a major shift. I don't know if we're going to see it, but I'd like to talk about something re- briefly here and get your feedback. Mm-hmm. As I'm starting to see people really double down on trade jobs. They really follow Mike Rowe's advice and they come out of high school, let's say they're age 17, 18. They take like a year or two trade school job. Mm-hmm. They get into something And I'm running into people right now, they're just turning 40 and they're able to retire. Well, how is that Mm -hmm. possible? Mm -hmm. Well, their revenue started at age 19, 20. They started saving 30% of their income, if not more. They go 20 years and guess what? They've arrived. Yeah. And it's like, it's not for everybody, but it's, it's like, okay, this is a great path forward. If you, if you can have that long-term vision over 20 years and be like, Hey, I can retire about 20, 25. And they're not, they may not be in a position where they retire and sit on a couch and watch sports or movies all day. But Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they're, then they're going to be visiting you, but maybe they're picking yeah. up a new hobby or helping a friend with a business or doing something yeah. productive. Yeah. But it's that freedom is the key word. They've, attri- yeah. they've achieved it much earlier. So I'm sure, I, I don't know if you've run into anybody like that, but I, I hope we're going to see more of it. You know, unfortunately it's rare. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's rare to run into some, uh, to folks like that. But, uh, you know, really, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, you know, that's uh, that's a trade job that, you know, that's a, a job that doesn't necessarily require a high level of education. Most folks in the middle class on up are able to get that sort of a, a position you know, what I'd really like to suggest is probably most people in the upper half of the lower class on up are really kind of able to take advantage. You know, once you've met those basic needs, mm-hmm. uh, you really can get to the point of 
and being able to put away a, a significant part of your income and getting to the point of becoming independent much earlier in life than, than is the typical case. Right, right. Well, this is great information. What I'd like to do next is dive into the rapid fire round. And then the end of the episode, I'd like to have you talk about the book a little bit and, and where people can get yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So with the rapid fire round, this is where we'll get to know who a Vimmel really is. <laughs> if, you could, if you could try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Oh, okay. All right. First question. What is your favorite podcast? Uh, I like uh, Hidden Brain, Shankar Vedantam. I've heard it of it. It explores all sorts of things I don't think about. So I like that one. I've heard of it. I will check <laughs> it out. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Um, I like uh, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. It's a really great book. Um, it talks about how everything is improving, not everything, but many things are improving. I ultimately disagree with his ultimate conclusion <laughs> mm. <laughs> for reasons that I go into in, in my book, which is that you know things are getting better in many ways. Extreme poverty rates are co- going down, rates mm-hmm. of chronic rates of uh, infectious diseases are cr- going down. Uh, but what I conclude is that, you know, if you look at certain other aspects, for example, rates of chronic disease are going up and and a lot of this is tied to consumerism and uh, certain aspects of capitalism. And so uh, let me just kind of put it out there as a very interesting take. It's a different take than what I had uh, than the take I take in the book. Great advice. I'm putting that one on the list. All right. What is your favorite movie? <laughs> favorite movie? Um, you know, my, my son is an Avengers fan, so I'll have to side with him. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I like the Avengers series. Uh, he opened me up to it. And uh, sure. Infinity Wars, I guess, is if I have to choose, it's, it's probably the one. <laughs> so, Great choice of the Marvel films out there. I'd say that's yeah. number two next to uh, Endgame would be my favorite. Awesome. Um, all right. What's your favorite food? Favorite food? Uh, I like, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I really try to practice what I preach. And so, you know, whole foods. Uh, yep. So for breakfast, it, it would be typically oatmeal with some nuts and seeds. Uh, that's kind of my go-to breakfast. And I like it. That is a great go-to. Yeah. I was going to throw out, since you're in Austin, you've got a lot of great Mexican food and spicy food, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Yeah. Other options. All right. Here's a good question. How many hours do you work per week? Uh, I probably would work a pretty, pretty typical 40-hour work week. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good for a doctor. Usually it's a lot higher than mm-hmm. what I've mm-hmm. heard. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do uh, medicine for about, uh, you know, 30 of those hours. <laughs> okay. And then I do some writing and uh, I do some other things that are helping to oversee quality initiatives in our clinic. And so, Sure. Uh, some other aspects of medical practice. Nice. Good for you. I'm sure you're going to knock this next one out of the park. This is a big one. How many hours of sleep do you get each night? <laughs> so I'm not a good sleeper. I'll, I'll be honest. Really? Uh, I'm not. I've, uh, I've always had trouble with sleep. And so, uh, you know, I, I try to get seven to eight. I actually get to bed in time. I try to get out of bed in time. I'm fairly consistent with my routine. And yet, uh, you know, maybe it's something is particular to me, but I'm, I have to confess, I'm not the best sleeper. So probably six to seven hours. Wow. Is, Shocking. Is... <laughs> I, I was expecting eight or more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I did it. All right. And workout regimen? 
Uh, I like to go in the morning, get to uh, kind of start your day with a little bit more energy. And so uh, I'll go in the morning either for a run or I'll go down and bike nice. for uh, for a little bit. And then uh, later in the day, I'll I'll do some like an evening walk. Nice. When I was in Austin, I walked by the Barton Springs and the park nearby. It's just beautiful. Oh, area. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very open to exercise and outdoors. And so it's a nice city in that way. <laughs> right on. All right. Last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? <laughs> I think I kind of hinted at this in, in our talk, but basically I'd go back to you know my own self when I was in uh, high school, perhaps as a junior or senior, uh, hopefully just mature enough to be able to actually sit down and listen to me. <laughs> so, but you know, I would talk about the the possibility of really starting early and having a goal in mind of financial independence. Something that most kids, I think, you know, when you ask them if they have a financial goal in mind, it'll be they'll say either they don't have anything, they never thought about it, or that they want to be extremely wealthy, <laughs> but of course, but they never, you know, uh, very rare that anyone actually comes to the setting a goal of financial independence, which I think is a very realistic goal. Mm -hmm. uh, and if and if they are then wanting to become wealthy, well, guess what? It's actually the same path that you'd follow, right? Yep. You you still want to save a good part of your income and invest that and get to the point of growing that income over time. Great. Great advice. All right. And let's talk about your book a little bit. Uh, if you could give us a title and where can people get it? Yeah, sure. It's called Health and Flames, uh, A Doctor's Prescription for Living Beyond Diet and Exercise. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes and Nobles, Apple, all the major online retailers. They, they all have it. I do have a website at www.healthandflames.com uh, and you can get additional information there as well. Awesome. Well, this has been very insightful. I love your perspective. So thank you from a doctor perspective to hear the importance of financial independence. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to come on your show. All right, Vermont. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know you're Time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest's story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya.